is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 586, recorded on Monday, Victoria Day, May the 23rd, 2022. Mm -hmm. It's Victoria Day here in Canada, so it's a day off for everyone. Happy Victoria Day, Canadians. Yes, sir. Happy Victoria Day to everyone and all. Jason, how are you doing this week? It's been two weeks since we recorded. What's new? Two weeks. Uh... New hot water heater, new fence. Uh, that's it. Well, that's pretty good. New fence. I, you may have mentioned that before. I don't remember, but I'm happy. I love a good new fence, so I, I'd like to come see it someday. Hey, it's upsetting my wife. It's upsetting my wife oh, because no. it's keeping all the uh, it's keeping the rabbits out because the rabbits used to come and uh, feed on crap in the in the yard, and right. uh, we like to see rabbits every now and again. Right. Uh, it's keeping. Uh, it seems to be that the birds don't come as much as they did before because they also cut back a bunch of trees to get the fence in, uh-huh. and uh, the cat that comes to visit every once in a while now has a harder time getting to the back deck door because it has to climb a fence now. So the and the zoo that was happening in your backyard is a little bit hindered because of the fence. We had a menagerie. We had a menagerie yeah. going on and it's a little bit hindry, uh, hindered by it. And the, the trees are cut a little high so we can see more. Like the, we got the fence where we can't see the neighbor's pool in the backyard, but we can look right into their goddamn windows. Mm. So uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's upsetting my wife. She likes the fence. It was her idea, but, uh, and it keeps the, uh, the youngin in the yard, yeah. uh, which is fan-fucking-tastic. Because I know where he is. Very he goes important. out into the backyard. I mean, sure, he could still wreck stuff and cut himself all to shit and probably kill himself somehow, but at least he won't be doing it at somebody else's house. <laughs> right. It's going to all happen <laughs> in your own backyard. It's gonna, yeah, it's going to happen in our own backyard. <laughs> okay. Well, I love a good fence, so I'd still like to come see it. But also, don't forget, man, the trees, they'll fill in. They'll grow down a little bit more. That'll take care of itself after a while. I don't know. They cut the branches, right? They cut the branches high up and those branches are not going to grow back. Well, I mean, the tree might fill out and then fall a little bit, but, uh, I think we're, uh, we're pretty much on the cusp of buying more trees. Okay. Right. Well, and, uh, and putting them in so that they fill out that little bit of a gap. Do a little bit of landscaping, some more trees and shrubs and things like that. And you'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Just have to and cut holes in the bottom of the fence so the rabbits can come back. Yeah, but because the they were they were annoying, but they were cute. At the same time, I mean, the fence is kind of doing its job when the rabbits can't get through it. But you know, well, they would come and eat the dandelions, which was cute and functional. <laughs> I suppose your lawnmower also eats dandelions, though. Uh, yeah, but not as cute. Not as cute and noisy. All right. Well, anyways, new fence. What was the other new thing? Hot water heater. Oh, hot water heater. How's that going? You got nice hot water in your house? I got the same hot water as we had before, but this time it's more expensive. Oh, perfect. More expensive hot water. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's exciting. Anything else new coming up soon? Um. Well, landscaping in the backyard and then uh, redo the kitchen. Wow. Uh, uh, and, the, you know, that's that's kind of fallish is the, uh, the, the plan for the kitchen. All right. Well, sounds like you got big plans. Lots of plans. Expensive plans. Yeah. Plans tend to be expensive. They Anyways, really that's do. that's all good to hear. And uh, I'm, I'm bummed that Jenny's not so into the fence, but she'll get used to it. 
She'll come around. She'll come around. That's right. Uh, yeah, another decade or two, everything will be fine. She won't even think about this time when she didn't like the fence. Yeah. Yeah. Be long gone in her mind. Uh, not a lot going on around here. I've, I have sealed off the backyard too. So the dog can go out there without running off, at least for now. Nice. Uh, one of my neighbors though said to me, you know, great job. You've sealed off the, the backyard. So your dog can run around and it'll be sealed until it's not. When an animal like a raccoon or something comes along and digs a hole somewhere and then you don't know it's there and then the dog escapes and you got to find your dog. So I'm looking forward to that day. Not really, but for now he's, he's safe in the backyard and he loves it out there. So he goes out, gets all his energy out and, uh, it's a good time for him. Yeah. The raccoons are going to wander around and go, and one of them eventually will walk up to the fence and go, what the fuck is this doing here? And just rip it out. Yeah. Throw it away. (laughs) Probably raccoons or, or, um. Coyotes. Apparently there's coyotes, coyote sightings in my neighborhood. And I live in a dense populated area and you know, coyote just walking down the street. Like what the hell? That seems scary. Yeah. So got to watch. Yeah. We have uh, coyote sightings around here too. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's not as crazy as it is in your neighborhood as it is in ours. It's a little easier to believe essentially that you have coyotes. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded, like I said. So thank you to everyone for uh, bearing with us. Um, but the reason it's been two weeks is that we're we're here to talk about two episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, which is kind of winding down its seventh season right now. So yeah, two episodes, two weeks. It sort of makes sense. After this podcast, we've only got two left. Um, so I presume we'll do them both all at once. Although an argue, argument could be made to cover them each week at a time. We'll talk about that later, maybe. Uh, for now, though, we are here to talk about Fear Season 7, Episode 13 and 14. But first, I want to just do a really quick follow-up on some Walking Dead news from, I don't know, maybe a month ago we talked about this. If you recall, Jason, uh, the houses in Sonoy, Georgia that were used to depict Alexandria on the main show are not yep. being used for that anymore. Of course, the show is wrapped. They're done. Everyone's moved away. And Sonoy has gone back to just being a normal little Georgian town from being Yeah, this, they're allowed to cut their lawns and various things. All the all this kind of stuff, right. And those houses that they built for the production, some existed already, I think, and some they actually built. If you recall, AMC decided to build real houses, not like set houses, you know, that were- yep designed to stand for a while and then be torn down. So now they're fixing up those houses and selling them off to people. Like you can buy one of the Alexandria homes if you want to. Uh, They're refurbishing, they're redoing the floors, they're repainting, they're fixing them all up, you know, so there's not a lot of trace that there was ever a zombie apocalypse there, which is nice if you're going to buy a house, right? Makes sense. Um, And at least one of them has gone on the market officially. It's just the first one of many, I think. And you can find it online uh, for about $1.1 million. That's not so bad, really. Well, I mean, I don't know if it is. Like where I live, that's that's a steal, (laughs) to be be quite honest with you. Uh, That doesn't mean, you know, I'm like a multimillionaire and afford a mansion or anything like that. But uh, I live in the most expensive or close to the most expensive city in Canada. And uh, that's just the way it goes. In Sonoy, Georgia, I was looking at real estate around there, and I think these are the most expensive homes in Sonoy, uh, 
and you know probably the surrounding area but it still kind of feels like a lot for for that part of the state okay so we got here's 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 my thinking uh-huh. we've got larger homes right with uh that have been uh, that are recently built yeah that have recent upgrades new floors new paint jobs yep. uh that kind of stuff that's right as well as i'm assuming uh, very recent landscaping, mm-hmm. right? Like they're probably going to landscape the whole thing. Yeah. So that's a lot of upgrades on a house or a lot of, uh, a lot of things that are, are premiums for a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, they might not include a refrigerator because why would you build a house for the walking dead and put in a real working refrigerator, put a prop refrigerator in there and then sell the house without a refrigerator. But as you know, when we bought this house, the real estate agent specifically told us you're buying a house not appliances. Uh-huh. If you want to buy appliances, go buy appliances. If you want to buy a house, buy the house. Right. Don't worry about the appliances. Okay. You know, after saying that, we've had to replace all the appliances at least once. The fridge we've had to replace twice because both of them have broken. It, it, but the original how, one and the new one that we bought to replace it. They don't make shit like they used to, man. Like fridges and stoves just don't last the way they did. The oh, and the dishwasher is broken too. The one that we replaced the old dishwasher with, that one's currently broken and we're in discussions on uh, whether or not we need a new one or just to get it fixed. Sure. Well, we're on our third fridge in 20 years uh, and second dishwasher. Um, and I think we've replaced the oven as well and second microwave for sure. <laughs> so yeah, they just don't make stuff like they used to. No, they do not. But you're right. So lots of upgrades on these these homes and frankly- there's you're I bet you you're paying like a Walking Dead celebrity premium a little bit too, you know? Like you're living yeah, in a house I, that was used on a pretty popular TV show. Yeah, are they putting in a plaque? Cuz if they're putting in a plaque, that's a that's a whole thing, right? That's uh yeah. that's a, that's a little bit of you're you're paying for the cachet of uh having something featured in a tele, a popular television show. Yeah, well that's what I mean. I you probably are a little bit. Anyways. Yeah, I mean if you're gonna buy if you're gonna buy a Ferrari, you might as well buy Magnum PI's Ferrari, right? <laughs> that probably comes at a, a higher price. Sure, it's a Ferrari from the eighties, but I bet you uh you take two red Ferraris uh side by each and you go, That one was driven by Magnum PI, that one wasn't. The one driven by Magnum PI is more expensive. I bet you you're right. Guaranteed. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, there's a status to the celebrity of houses and vehicles. And there's so. a bag of Tom Selleck's mustache hair in the glove box. Well. He, he shaved it off at the end of the show. Here's the mustache hairs. We threw it in the glove box. That's super gross. I don't know why I thought of that. Sell it with the car. You'll make twice as much. Sounds yeah. like it. All right. Well, if you are in the market for a home and you want to live in Sonoy, Georgia, and you have one over a million dollars to spend, you can now go and- put an offer in on that house. And I guess there's going to be more going on the market as they become available. Uh, and as far as I know, Maybe this- the wall is still up around uh, the town, but I presume they're going to take that down at some point. They should leave that. Come I on. I think so. Yeah. yeah. What happens if there's a real zombie apocalypse? They're all set. That's where you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I forget what I was going to say. I was interrupting you and I forget what I was going to say. Well, I'm sorry. You can interrupt me later maybe with it. Yeah, let me think about it. All right. Well, while you Oh, I'm trying to thought of it. You got it. Go for it. <laughs> I got it. Maybe this one point, would you say it was 1.2 million? 1.1, close, yeah. 1.1 million dollar house is the uh the test balloon, right? It's they're putting the first one on the market and they're going to say, "Okay, 
we're going to put it up for 1.1 mil. If it doesn't sell, we'll knock it down and then we know what to expect for the rest of the houses. Mm -hmm. But if it sells like fucking hotcakes, the next one going is going for 2.1 mil. <laughs> right? This is, this is the test balloon. It seems like a big jump, but you're right. They could be testing the waters a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Let's move on. We are going to talk about like I said, two episodes of Fear, uh, episode 13, which was called The Raft, and episode 14 called Divine Providence. I saw both of those. That's excellent episode. news. <laughs> it is excellent news. if you hadn't, this would all be for naught. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So let's start with episode 13. It's kind of primarily a Dwight and Sherry story this week on Fear the Walking Dead. Now, the first thing that happens in this episode, Jason, is that they, they rescue this lone woman they find named Maya. And apparently she came on a boat. She's looking for her kid, Marco. And she ends up going to the tower, Strand's tower, because, you know, thinking he might be there. But this whole thing starts a bit of a disagreement between Dwight and Sherry, uh, who go to rescue her. And... Yeah. You know, a good chunk of the episode is them kind of dealing with this, I don't know, disagreement they have, or it's sort of a misunderstanding between the two of them. It starts with the idea that if they're about to go to war with Strand, you know, how could they send an innocent person there uh, because they might just attack this place and kill her, or, or they're just sending people to help Strand's side of the fight, right? Yeah. Um, but it sets up Sherry and Dwight to have a bit of conflict throughout most of the episode for some reason well for some reason yeah we'll we'll get into that um but but, but we'll, it starts with sherry yeah with uh, her uh, dragging a raft uh you know through the sand yeah in order to, and gets to the water and then inflates the raft it's an emergency life raft of some kind mm -hmm. so let me ask you a question about uh uh partly about being a canadian You've been in a canoe, right? Yeah. I'm in the market for You've, a canoe. I want to buy one. You're in the, oh, that's good. I, yeah. I like that about you. Yeah. Um, so you've been in a canoe and you've actually, you know, taken some stuff and uh, taken stuff with you while you've been in the canoe. I have. But let me ask you a question. Okay. Did you take the canoe off the car, put it on the ground about 10 feet away from the water and then fill it up with all your crap? Well, that doesn't before make- Before you dragged it to the fucking water? That doesn't make any sense because then you have to- to drag to the water full of stuff. Yes. This is what Sherry's doing. Yeah. She inflated the raft. It's a good five or six feet away from the water and she starts filling it with all the other crap from the other container that she dragged close to the water. Uh, luckily, it's in the perfect spot for just walking away because it's not anywhere near the water. No. So she could walk away and come back later. But this doesn't make any sense. Uh, why would she load up the raft without first putting it in the water because she's going to have to drag an inflatable emergency raft which is meant to be ejected from a submarine yeah it was it's the sub never raft. supposed to touch land uh-huh so what happens when you take an inflatable rubber raft full of crap <laughs> and drag it across the dirt you're probably gonna rocks, tear it yeah sticks you're gonna rip the shit out of it destroy the thing so it uh so i question her choices yeah, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, as the, as the episode goes on, we see that she never gets in it. Uh, it does get nope. used later on, but certainly not by Sherry. Yeah. And yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
So now this is the kind of thing that just sets me off, right? Because it's right at the beginning of the episode and right away something, and sure it might be nitpicky, uh, but it just, it jumps out at me and it just pisses me off from the outset that somebody does something and it ruins the whole friggin' episode for me because uh, I just want a little common sense thrown into the beginning of the episode just to help me out. Just help me out a little bit. Yeah. Just to, so I can start the willful dispen- the willful suspension of disbelief. That's the one. I, I need that. I would like to have something not thrown in my face to start with so that I can ease into that. And, and you really need it on this show right now because almost everything that happens on this show is batshit crappy. <laughs> yeah, like, I've got other things. Not, uh, not crazy set me crappy. Up. You know, uh, it is batshit crappy. There's not a lot good happening on this show right now. I think I do have some semi-positive things to say about the next episode, uh, but it wasn't very good either, to be honest. But this no, it wasn't. This number thirteen was uh, pretty poor. My and point: we had a lady show up on a boat with a kid named Marco. Yeah. I mean, so- does she have another son named Polo? Is that? Is that the way it goes? Marco, she's looking for him, right? Right. So is that a little too on the nose? Well, the thing I thought of is we just had Marco on the main show get shot in the head, remember? Like, Marco died there and here we're looking for Marco. The time frames don't line up, you know, all these sorts of things. But I mean, it's not out of the question that that's him or not out of the realm of possibility that that's him. So uh, anyways. looking for my, okay. So, and then another thing. Like we're only like four seconds into the episode here, but yeah. another thing is that, uh, you meet somebody mm-hmm. who says, my son le- uh, was, I woke up in the morning, my son was in the tent and then my son is no longer in the tent and I'm looking for him. Yeah. Have you seen him? What's the first question you ask? What's he look like? How old is your son? Okay. It's close. Right. That make that makes a big difference. If he's five- you know, that's a different sense of urgency than if he's 35. Sure. Is he five or 35? It's a big friggin' sliding scale yes. there of urgency. And apparently she's traveled by days, four days by boat looking for him. It's like, when did he go missing? Five years ago? Like, did you spend any time looking around the immediate area or did you just hop in a boat and sail for four days? And you're like, uh, oh, he's not here. Marco. What else are you going to do? I don't it's, know. If you're looking for Marco, you get in a boat. I it's guess. Just, it's, it makes sense to me. That's the only thing that made sense out of this whole thing. Yeah, none of it really made a lot of sense. I wonder, though, if this Maya woman is important in any other way. Like, it felt like, like, I took away from this whole part, this whole scene, the setup of Dwight and Sherry being at odds with each other a little bit, because they spend the good chunk of the rest of the episode bickering. Um and running away from Wes and the Rangers, which we'll talk about. Uh, but that's what it felt like to me, all a setup for their conflict. However, you know, this character had a name, she had lines, she was specifically sent to the tower. Is she going to pop up again of uh, of any importance, like in any importance? And is Marco important? I, I, I bet not, to be honest, with this show, but... Based on the events of these two episodes, absolutely not. Yeah, she doesn't come back, right? But I feel like it was a lot for setting up this conflict between Dwight and Sherry, but maybe that's what they needed. Um, so anyways, it, it was the starting point of their conflict, and it kind of goes from there. It It isn't, though. It's not, it's not even the... It, 
Yes, okay, it's the starting point of their conflict, but it's not what their conflict about is about. Their uh, conflict yeah. is about, uh, you know, somebody leaving, which you're going to have to explain to me, because that doesn't make any sense, and uh, uh, procreation, right? Yes, but it, it kind of does, because part of their argument is that Sherry thinks that Dwight will join Strand and that's going to be bad for their relationship and the fact that she's pregnant, which we is revealed at the end of the episode or near the end, right? And yep. what she's saying is, I don't want you to be the kind of person that's going to go and fall in with Strand and join his side because that's not who you are and that's not the kind of father I want you to be. And she knows this because he was with Negan for all those years, right? And she's like, I don't want you to be under the thumb of this bad guy anymore and not be able to be with me or with our child. And she's kind of, in a way, undermining Dwight's integrity a little bit by thinking this of him because his side of the argument is, I would never do that, right? I'm a better man yeah. than that. She's assuming that he doesn't have any personal agency. Yeah. She, and she sets up the raft for him, if I understand correctly. Did I understand that correctly? That she, uh, the raft wasn't for her, it was for him? To get away so he wouldn't be tempted to join Strand. I think so, yeah. So, how was she going to get, would, did he want to go? Like, would he want to go? Like, why is the raft, is she, she's going to knock him out and put him in the raft and set him adrift? Yeah, it, that doesn't make sense because he wouldn't leave without her, but maybe she was setting up for them to leave together just to get she him didn't away. Say that. No, but I, you said it was for him. It's for you. It, you know, it's not for me. It's for you. It's like, well, that makes like even less sense. Yeah, that's right. I, if you join Strand, you won't be the kind of man I want you to be. So I'm going to send you away and not be with you at all. Like, I, you're right. I don't right. get it. Because the other option is for her to leave. And we know what happens when she leaves. He hunts her down. Uh-huh. And that, that, you know, that's a track record. He has that as a track record. He will find her. Right? Yes. I don't know whether it's the last of the Mohicans thing. Uh, you know, stay alive, whatever you do, I will find you kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, sorry if I've spoiled not last of the Mohicans for you. But, uh, so, it, it doesn't make any sense. No, and it's- it's a stretch. And this is why I say this is just all kind of a weak way of, of setting up these conversations they're going to have and, and put them at odds a little bit so that later on they can find common ground again in the pregnancy. And ultimately the positive pregnancy test is what kind of reinvigorates their resolve to survive. Right, which is exactly what she was worried about happening. Like, this is her worst case scenario, is that the pregnancy test was positive and Dwight finds out about it and wants to be a part of the child's life. No. Like, that's worst case. That's her worst case. It, no, her worst case is that he joins Strand and becomes a becomes incapable of being a good father to this baby. So I think this is her best case scenario where it's reinvigorated him to want to be with her and be the right kind of man and father that she needs outside of joining Strand. Okay. So I think that's where the they secret went with to it. a solid relationship is to constantly test your partner to make sure that they're going to do what you want them to do. Isn't that how your marriage works? 
of course, but I'm just re- <laughs> just making sure. Yeah, well, I think it might be. <laughs> I think that if this happens, you're going to do, or I'm absolutely sure that if this happens, you're going to do that, and there's no other choice whatsoever, uh, but, you know, prove me wrong or I'm kicking you out. Or I'm kicking you out, yeah. Or I'm I'm getting a raft ready for you, and I'm going to knock you out and set you adrift. Like, I don't know. What was she thinking? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't I'm, make any sense. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, though, because the raft is used for another purpose in the end. But, I mean, what happens is they, they get a call from Morgan, who, as you know, remember, we last time we saw him, he, he left Trans Tower with baby Mo, and he's walking away with them, but it turns out... All the zombies from Strand's moat of zombies that are surrounding the tower decided to follow Morgan away. So just kind of a happy accident, really. Like there was nothing leading up to this. You know, they've, they've led zombies on all the Walking Dead shows before on purpose by making lots of noise or some kind of big distraction so they could lead them some way. And here we have Morgan showing up by himself and... The zombies getting excited by John Dory Sr. walking through them. He even sacrifices himself in the previous episode, remember, to uh, buy mm-hmm. Morgan some time. Yet, surprise, surprise, not just one or two of the zombies follow Morgan. Apparently, all of them do. Of course. So he's walking along. He's got this massive herd of zombies behind him. He hands the baby off to uh, Dwight and Sherry and decides that he has to lead these zombies somewhere to ditch them. Um and he has some other ideas as well. But meanwhile, Wes, who is now firmly entrenched on Strand's side, has come out to try and, you know, hunt down Dwight and Sherry and get baby Mo back because it's important for Strand to have the baby as a sort of amount of psychological protection against the outside invaders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this so is Strand all wants this baby for some reason. <laughs> well, he wants the baby, yeah. Um, now, if we can talk about Wes for just a second... The reason I cannot take Wes seriously at all on this show anymore is his turn to Strand's side was just so abrupt. You know, this is the guy that a couple seasons ago was like painting trees for fun. Uh And, and then now, and then he's in with Alicia and Morgan and all of them. And he's been with them for however long. One lie between Luciana and Daniel he can't handle it. He goes to Strand. He immediately becomes Strand's like right-hand man, head of the Rangers, basically. He claims that it's because Morgan's team lied to him, killed his, you know, he killed his own brother because of it. But it, I just didn't buy it. Like he's, he's just all of a sudden flip-flop to the other side with almost no lead up to it of any way. It's very unreasonable. And it bugs me because... You know, there's no reason that they can't do a storyline involving a character changing sides or or having a change of heart or whatever. You know, that's fine. But I'm sorry, you have to take a little bit of time to make it believable, in my opinion. Yeah, you've got to. Uh, yeah, you got to. You have to spend a little to get a payoff, right? This just it's we're getting all payoff with no uh, no investment. Right. Exactly. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. Um, I mean, you know, financially, I would take a payoff without any investment. You know, personally, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> it's but a little different. From a story perspective, uh, you know, I, you know, I want to, I want to have a little more information. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. So I'm not into what Wes is doing. 
Um, he seems kind of incompetent too for a lot of things that he's doing. There's a scene where he comes face to face with uh, Dwight and Sherry on their horses and she just shoots him off his horse, right? Like no yeah. big deal. And then they leave him there. It's like, we'll just leave you here, you know, so you can get back up and continue chasing us in five minutes. Like, yeah, yeah, we need, uh, you know, that's how you spur people on is, uh, you have somebody to pursue you. I mean, wh- why else would you go someplace if you're not being pursued by someone else? <laughs> right. I mean, what reason do you have to move around at all? If someone's not, after it's like, you? it's like programmers in movies. Programmers always write code faster when they have a gun to their head. Right. It's just the way it works. When there's, when someone's standing over their shoulder, whether it's a literal gun or not to their head. They write yep. programs faster. It's better if it's a literal gun because yeah. uh, then you then you're really on your game. Like you're not distracted at all by a gun being pointed at your head. It it really focuses you into uh, writing your code a little bit uh, a little bit better. Yeah. If you you know maybe you didn't understand quite understand polymorphism or uh, the facade. Uh, design pattern. Maybe you didn't quite get that information beforehand, but once you get a gun to your head, you're like, oh, fucking facade. I just need to take a thing and, and make it something else so that it, it, it looks like something else so that the other thing can talk to it. And then I can take my classes and morph them into other classes because fucking hierarchies and shit. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it totally makes sense. I haven't programmed in a long time, but uh, boy, if I had a gun to my head, I'd do it pretty well right now. You'd be pretty you. good at it. That's right. So if you're going to go someplace, leave a bad guy behind to chase you. Yeah. Well, that's what happens. Uh, listen, so they hand off the baby. Um, Dwight and Sherry have the baby. They're just trying to get the baby to safety. Morgan is trying to lead this massive herd of walkers somewhere. And he meets up with Alicia, who's been gone for a little while on her journey of discovery. Remember when she met... Uh, uh, Mr. Soundproof House Guy and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. She's on her, uh, you know, various escapades. Paul? His name was Paul, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, what, yeah. I think it was Paul. Anyways. Sure. Um, she's now traveling with him. And, you know, they agree that they have to dump these zombies somewhere. But Morgan has also decided that now is the time to attack Strand. That very night, apparently. Because all the zombies have left. And... If they don't do it now, he'll use the big lighthouse beacon on top of the tower to summon more walkers and create a new moat. Uh, And like this just strikes me as idiotic too, because Morgan's idea isn't terrible. It's like, you know what? The zombies are gone. You know, attacking is is easier now because he doesn't have that protection. But the, the idea that he thinks in like one night he can use a light to draw you know, that many zombies back to recreate the moat is just ridiculous. It it would probably take weeks to draw them all in like that. They don't move very fast. Well, yeah, but maybe the light is so magically powerful that it draws a hundred thousand zombies per day. Well, that's a lot, you know? and, but I don't and think so. so. Uh, Morgan is, uh, you know, he's been there for, uh, let's say a couple of months and a uh, hundred thousand zombies a day. So there's, there's 50 million zombies following, uh, <laughs> Morgan right now. Only that's it, right? Only 50 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's 50 million. Yeah. It's gotta be. I just think it's the urgency again. I did not feel it. I'm like, Morgan, yes, it's a great idea. Attack while the zombies are gone. Fine. But you could take a day, you could take a week probably, and it wouldn't make any difference, you know? So yeah, it's just the show pushing the, fake drama a little bit uh like any of it's real (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very standard writing trope. If you want something to be a little bit more exciting, put a clock on it. Put a time limit, yeah. Well, yeah. they sure did. Um, or put a gun to your head. That'll make it go faster. Yeah, that's right. One or the other. Now, listen, so they're walking along, him and Alicia, uh, leading these zombies away. They don't quite know what to do with them, but their idea first is to walk them to the big crater that they've heard about, right? A crater full of zombies that we know is there and dump them all in, into there. So go right to the very center of the radioactive fallout. Right. That's your plan. Yeah, that's their plan. But we Solid know thinking. characters have been going there this whole season, right? We've seen Arno go there. We know Strand has sent his rangers there. Like, they're just going there. They don't care. Uh, as long as they yeah. keep their gas masks on, Jason, it'll be fine. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, there's no yeah. problem at all. But listen, while they're walking there, they're, there's a scene that where they're talking about Alicia's fever and these dreams that she's having. And... I had, you know, I had a, a hard time paying attention to that because I don't know if you noticed, but in that scene, there were no walkers on the road behind them following them. And I thought this was extremely weird. We can hear them in the soundtrack and Morgan keeps turning around and looking. And at one point he even points back there and says, uh, the last time it was just you and me we were following one of those things, like referring to zombies that were following them. And he's talking about when Alicia wanted to follow the, what was it, a governor, thinking it would lead her to Padre. That's right, yeah. And and then they realized that was silly. Um, but he even points back and he says this, and there's no zombies in the shot. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? We saw them in the shot earlier, but now all of a sudden there's none there. And I'm like, did they forget to add them in post? Like, why aren't there oh, any yeah. zombies back there? Yeah, they forgot to add them in post. It, really? Like, I, I I wouldn't put it past this show at all. It's I, so you know, weird. It, everything gets put in the can, and then the uh, at some point, the uh, whoever's responsible for that goes, ah, son of a bitch, I forgot to put them in. I don't, ah, nobody will notice. But, but, but I was even it's thinking, too late now. I was even thinking like, is there a bend in the road and the big herd hasn't come around the bend yet? But I'm like, if that's the case, I don't know what makes them actually turn and follow the road. Why do, why do they, you know, it, it just didn't make any sense. It was so weird. That's what roads are for. So zombies, yeah, of course they all follow roads. I mean, they have residual memories, right? So residual right. memories are, they're probably staying to the right hand side of the road. This happens in America. So uh, you know, they're probably on the right-hand side of the road because they, they wouldn't want to, you know, conflict with oncoming zombies mm -hmm. or, you know, that are going the other way that have somewhere else to go. Right. Following so some other people. <laughs> following some other people. So yeah. you just, you stay, stay to the right. Well, I thought it was weird. I didn't understand why they weren't there. And again, it took me out of it. And I'm just like, what is this show even doing? Like they, they can't be bothered to put the zombies in the background that we all know are there and can hear on the soundtrack, you know, it just feels like. Well, I didn't forget that part. No, they didn't forget. That's the easy part. I don't know. Uh, what else? Um, they, oh yeah. So Morgan also explains to Alicia at this point that he found, do you remember the tape recorder that Grace gave him or, or sent out with John Dory to keep the baby happy because she sings yep. on it? Well, she also put a message on there for Morgan. Uh-huh. And the message was, you know, you have to get away from here. 
take baby Mo, get away as far as you can. You know, don't come back to the tower. It's not worth it. Just leave to somewhere safe. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this is the first sensible thing anyone has said on this show for a long time. Go. This show makes me tired. Go away. You know, leave. Go to somewhere where it's not nuclear fallout. Get the baby away and, you know, you've, you've saved the baby then and you can feel good about that. Uh, but no, Morgan wants to stay and take the tower. So he decides to, at least at this moment, stay there. That's what advice is for, to be ignored. To be ignored, right. Yeah, how else, how else will you know what to ignore if you don't get advice? Well, I don't know. I'm like, geez, Grace, finally someone said something logical and no one's going to listen because why? We prefer living in a nuclear fallout zone. So anyways, they get to the crater. It's mostly empty. Morgan decides that somebody must have let them out because they see what I guess is like an extended car carrying trailer that you, you know, on the back of a, a transport truck. And it's kind of like been put into the crater. So the zombies had somewhere to climb out of. And uh-huh. again, I'm just like, we're supposed to believe that thousands of zombies climbed up that thing and just walked out like without like falling off or uh, I just couldn't yeah, do it. All of them. All of, all them. of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not just some of them, not just, you know, the random ones that, uh, that went there, but uh, okay. So the only way I can factor this in my, in my brain is, uh, uh, maybe they're like ants. Maybe, uh, you know, one of them got out and went, shit, this is a really good idea and decided to go back and leave a chemical trail saying, uh, you know, come out this way. And all the other zombies went, smell that? We should go that way. And they all go that way. Yeah. But zombies are not the most, uh, you know, stable individuals while they walk. And we're supposed to- are not that smart. And they do all this shit. These tracks are the width- just over the width of your average car tire and like thousands of zombies all crowded up this thing at once. And they all got out except for a couple dozen, maybe that were wandering around the crater still. I'm just like, come on, come on. Okay. There's only one other explanation. Oh, what is it? It's a lich. Some lich is directing the zombie horde and, uh, you know, getting them all to go up the, uh, the ramp that was, uh, he brought the ramp and said, everybody, let's go up this way and left the chemical trail. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he, maybe he's the queen ant. He's the queen lich. zombie ant lich. Maybe, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's the analogy is that the lich is like the queen ant. They can leave chemical trails. Well, it's dumb. We find out that Strand's rangers are the ones that have pulled them out. So maybe those guys have some sort of system they've employed to get the zombies to go up single file, you know, a couple at a time. I don't know. Yeah, chemical trails. I guess so. Yeah. So anyways, now um, they can't dump this huge horde of walkers in because they're just going to climb out again because, you know, (laughs) that makes sense. And so Morgan and Alicia lead them to the bunker where uh, that was underneath that hotel that Alicia was stuck in by Teddy for a while. But meanwhile, uh, Dwight and Sherry have ended up there as well and are hiding, have gone in the bunker to hide out from Wes and the rangers that are following them. Yeah. So, um, this is not cool, (laughs) not great, (laughs) but Morgan and Alicia think it's okay because Alicia says that Dwight and Sherry can crawl out through that drainage tunnel that she got stuck in, remember, or crawled out. Maybe it's a different one. Um, 
and then they'll be fine and all the zombies will be stuck down there and hooray, zombies are stuck, Dwight and Sherry are safe and all will be happy after that. Well, that's basically what happens, but um, Dwight and Sherry start crawling through the thing and of course the weight from the zombies up above and so on makes the tunnel cave in like mm -hmm. it did when Alicia was in there. But I don't know if you were paying attention at this point, Jason, but that tunnel is not caved in. The tunnel well, I was is... going to complain very much about this. I was going to ask you questions like, what do you think that, the, what was the tunnel made of? Concrete. It, it was made of concrete. Yes. What was the tunnel filled with? Rocks. Rocks. <laughs> Stones. <laughs> uh, was the tunnel still round? Yes, it was an intact yeah. tunnel. Suddenly there was a mystery pile of rocks blocking their way. Yeah. It's so, so somebody dumb. Like, it's not even a, uh, a good barricade. If somebody was building a wall, they would build a goddamn wall. Why would they build a pile of rocks? That just seems like a lot more work. No, it was a magic yeah. pile of rocks that appeared out of nowhere. The tunnel didn't cave in. It was still intact. It was just rocks showed up. Yeah. So, the, okay. So it magically filled with rocks. I assume by some giant storm of some kind carried all these rocks. Well, I mean, I weird, mean, weird things have happened, right? Like they have those uh, moving rocks in the desert. Right, they just kind of uh, wander around, leaving trails and stuff. Mm -hmm. You've seen those? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they sure they solved that, but uh, it was a mystery for a long time. Is you have these rocks that uh, you know have drag marks that go like fifty feet, and it's like, what the fuck is going on with these rocks? As it turns out, it's uh, a confluence of like it's raining and stuff, and the water kind of rises, and then. Uh, it flash freezes, so only the top freezes. Mm -hmm. So the ice, and then the wind starts blowing, and the top layer of ice starts moving along the the skim of the water, and it grabs the rocks and drags them along because there's a lot of goddamn pressure. Neat. So, yep, they solved that like recently, like within the last couple of years. But it's been like a mystery for like fifty years. Like, what the fuck's going on with these rocks? Mm -hmm. But I assume that these rocks were picked up by a giant storm of various ice and water, and dragged them through the tunnel. And because the storm was so powerful that it just clogged the whole tunnel and right. then all the water went away. All instantaneously when no storm even happened. Yes. Yeah. And then they were able to, uh, dig through it. it look, it's all contrivance for dramatic effect, right? So they're going through this thing. They haven't looked at the pregnancy test yet, so they don't know for sure that she's pregnant, even though she said, I think I am. Uh, they... They get stuck. They start to lose hope. They're going to give up and they're like, oh, we're just going to be stuck here in this tunnel forever. We're going to die here. They look at the test. It's positive, meaning she is pregnant. This is what, you know, gives them the resolve to keep going and want to survive. So, you know, it's just for dramatic effect. And well, okay. So never, un sorry, never underestimate the power of a properly motivated individual. So this kind of stuff can happen. You know, uh, you have, uh, you know, your morale is in the dumps and you can't, mm -hmm. you're slugging along, you can't do shit, you feel like crap, everything is horrible. And then you, you come to the, near the end, you're just like, okay, it's only 50 more feet. And then you just, you buckle up and you go, fuck this. And you just kind of dig in, dig your heels in and you get her done within, uh, you know, 15 minutes. Something yeah. that with the crappy morale would have taken like three days. Right. So, uh, you know, it's happened. It's happened to me where, uh, when I was in basic training and we had to crawl across this field and when I say field, it was a kilometer and a half long of like just 
fucking grass. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, you go from this side of the field to that side of the field, and it's just grass. So if I see you, you fail. So they were standing off to the side, and you had to crawl a kilometer and a half through this field. And, and it was a bitch. But the last 50 feet, I just said, fuck it, and I just started scrambling. Uh, and I just, I got through the last bit. Uh, normally that would have taken, it would took all day. Yeah. All day for all of us to get through there. Doesn't it doesn't sound fun uh, at all. It was not fun. But no. at the end of it, you're just like, wow, I'm glad, I'm glad that's done. But, you know, never underestimate the power of a properly motivated individual. So whatever gets you, gets your juices flowing to, uh, to grab a metal stick and dig through a large pile of rocks that are clogging up a perfectly intact collapsed tunnel. Uh, you know, a little more power to you. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll take that as an explanation. That's great. Uh, the, the metal stick though was Alicia's weapon, her signature uh-huh. weapon, which I guess she had left in the bunker. They had found it, which is lucky for them because they used it to pry their way through the rocks or. Yeah. And it know. was not dented or deformed or dulled nope. in any way, shape or form by digging through 50 feet of fucking rocks. Yeah. Now, where, and now when you move a rock and you're in a tunnel, where do you put that rock? Well, you have to you put, it put it behind you behind somehow. You. Yeah. So you're filling up the tunnel behind you as you go forward. That's right. What happens if you reach something that actually is collapsed? Well, you got to turn around and, and do it the other way now? That, that's right. <laughs> it seems like a bad plan. Right. But whatever. They knew they were close to the exit maybe. So they're like, as you were saying, we just got to get through this pile of magic rocks and we'll be out and everything will be fine. Okay. Well, at least they had a plus one weapon of digging. But, but yeah, but here, but let me ask you this question. If I'm not mistaken, they found, they found Alicia's weapon back in the bunker. It wasn't like abandoned in the tunnel. Right. So when Alicia was stuck in the tunnel and there were rocks blocking her way, yeah. she had her weapon with her and instead uh-huh. of using it to dig through the rocks, she used it to cut off her arm because she was bit. Yep. So... What's, how come she couldn't dig through the rocks? She just made a different decision? Mm-mm, she didn't know. And then, you know, and then I got, mean, sure, it's a magic weapon and everything, but uh, it's not a sentient weapon. It's not like Lucille or anything telling fine. them what its powers are. Okay. So, so you know, maybe she just didn't, she didn't have the, uh, you know, the identify magic item spell. And uh, Sherry did because she has the power of pregnancy. Yeah. Oh, the power of pregnancy. It's pretty strong power. <laughs> it's almost as good as the power of boners. The power of boners is is pretty powerful. Like people will do some amazing things with the power of boners. I'm going to leave that alone, I think. Because <laughs> I feel like that's a story from when Jason was 22. <laughs> uh, digging through rocks. Yeah. They, I had a boner. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. They get out and all is well and they're reunited with Morgan and Alicia. The baby is safe. And did anything of consequence happen in this episode? I don't know. The the zombies that were around the moat were led away. They were dumped somewhere. I guess we found out that the zombies that were in the crater were let out. Um... I guess the only other thing we need to mention, well, there's a couple of things. One, Sherry offers the weapon back to Alicia when they get out of that tunnel, out of the uh, drainage pipe, but Alicia tells her to keep it. So she has given away her signature weapon. 
That's because she's got her, uh, you know, her decaying arm of plus one. Yeah. That she can use. Which is a pretty cool thing I, now that, uh, you know, she's kind of, I don't know, I've gotten used to it a little bit. Uh, but I also think when a main character gives away their defining thing, I think it's a bad sign for that character, right? Uh, yeah, Indiana Jones never gave away his bullwhip or his hat. No, and if he had, he wouldn't be Indiana Jones anymore, right? Oh, Alicia's I, given I, away her, her pokey stick, and, like, is she really the same Alicia anymore? Maybe she, I don't think she is. Did I hear that right, that they're making another Indiana Jones movie? Yeah, I think so. I think they're doing one more. They're doing another one? Like, I mean, Harrison Ford's a thousand. they would learn their goddamn lesson after a while. No, they don't. As long as there's money to be made and Harrison Ford's still alive, you know. Hollywood doesn't make any sense. Like, they, they, don't, they don't make decisions like the rest of the world, I don't think. No, not really. Not really. No, Maybe they do. Like, okay. I mean, aren't most decisions made on fact with the factor of money built in somehow? Yeah, it's like, did you like it? Did you not like it? I don't care. Did you go see it? Yeah. That's all I care about. That's it. That's, that's, that's it. Yep. I don't care if it's good. I don't care if it's bad. If you see it, I will make another one until you stop seeing it. Right. And we don't so stop it's seeing it. it's our fault. Them. It's our fault. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's my fault. I paid for a ticket. I went to see that movie in the theater. It's my fault. I'm not making that mistake again. Well, <laughs> we're still watching this show. <laughs> Only because you make me. It's a public service at this point, Jason. It's a public <laughs> service. The people want us to watch and talk about this show. And I'm willing to do what the people want. <laughs> at least for now. <laughs> and I'm willing to do what you want. So oh, good, good. That's good, good enough for me. All right. Last, so one, one, you go let your last thing and then I'll do my last thing. Well, I was going to say the last thing about this episode is at the very end, Morgan decides, oh, you know what? I think Grace had a good idea. I am going to get in that raft that Sherry was set up and float off with baby Mo and get him or her, her, sorry, to somewhere safe. Uh, and, and Alicia decides that she is going to, to attack the tower or get into the tower so she can use Strand's giant radio antenna. That's kind of where we leave off at the end and Mo floats off and Alicia now leads everyone back to the tower. Makes so, sense? I don't know. Yeah, where where does this river go? Do you know? I don't nope, know. I don't know and either. Sherry had charts, though, right? He, oh, yes, there were lots of charts. Remember, Sherry but had they them They threw all. on the floor. But they picked like, them up. We don't need those. No, they, they them up. Are you sure? Yeah, I saw them pick them up. Uh, but he has charts. He has charts and maps, so he knows where he's going. And it kind of ties back into the woman Maya at the beginning, because apparently she, you know, came on a boat from somewhere that was clean, which wasn't... Uh, a nuclear wasteland. So now mm -hmm. Morgan's like, yeah, okay, there's somewhere out there. I can take a boat there. I'm just going to go. And like I said at the beginning, it's the only sensible decision anyone make, made on this show. Is that, is that where Michonne is? Somewhere clean yeah. across the river? I hope so. Maybe he's just going to float back somehow over to the other side of the U.S. and uh, rejoin everyone back over there. I don't know. Or he'll end up in Europe so that we can, he can be on the, uh, the Daryl show. Yeah. Right, right, right. In fact, uh, earlier this week, I think Norman Reedus, and maybe I should have done this in the news, but Norman Reedus made a comment that, uh, Daryl goes to Europe following someone or in search of someone. Mm. So, uh, it's either Rick or it's Michonne or maybe it's Morgan who's floated over to Europe. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, <sighs> Maybe he decided to backpack you through Europe to try and find himself. 
So uh-huh. he's off to look for himself. <laughs> right. Right? Because the last he heard that he was in Europe. Uh, are you talking about Daryl or Morgan? Daryl. Yeah. You know, that's what Daryl does. He goes like when you're, you, you know, a lot of people after uh, high school or after college take a gap year and they go uh, backpacking through Asia or whatever to try and find themselves. Yeah. It's like, what, did you hear that you were there and you needed to go look? Like, <laughs> what were you doing? What do you mean right. you had to find yourself? There was a rumor that I was over there and I figured I'd go and make sure. <laughs> Yeah. So maybe that's what Daryl's doing. He's he's going after his sense of self. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But we'll have to wait and find out. Anything else you have about this episode before we move on to number 14? Yeah. I wanted to talk about Dwight and Sherry's uh, discussions about babies. So, I mean, that was the theme of the, of the episode, but it, it came up like before we found out Sherry was, uh, thought she was pregnant. Yes. Right? Yes. So at first it showed up when... It was it Alicia that showed up with the with the guns shooting all the zombies and they had to run for cover uh and they thought they were in a firefight and Morgan says take the baby and run uh Alicia hadn't shown up yet because Alicia shows oh. up when Morgan is on his own and she blows up a car okay. beside so him. So who was shooting at them then? That was the that was Wes and the Rangers that was coming after okay. them. Yeah. Okay, so Wes and the Rangers show up. I I you know, I'm glad you're here because I have a hard time paying attention to this show. I don't know what it is, but it's just, you know, maintaining. Well, I know what it is. Consciousness. It's terrible. <laughs> okay. So they're standing there. The three of them and a baby are standing in the road. And then someone starts shooting at the overturned truck because they weren't shooting at them. Because if they were shooting at them, this is the worst ambush in the history of ambushes. Oh yeah. So they show up and they start shooting at the truck. So they all run behind the truck, mm-hmm. the overturned truck. And then Morgan goes, take the baby and go. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, they're in a firefight, right? Somebody's shooting at them. Uh, and then Dwight says, oh, isn't the baby cute? Isn't this, this is a good practice for when we have a baby, isn't it? <laughs> like, okay, you're really having this conversation in the middle of a firefight? Oh, yeah. Like, dude. Right? And so, <laughs> okay. So now she knows that he wants to have a baby. Because they right. have a baby and he thinks that's awesome. We're going to make a great family. This is going to be great for us. And she still thinks that that's a horrible idea because at this point she thinks she's pregnant and she thinks that Dwight saying that in the middle of a firefight, put that aside, saying that he wants to, like he is longing to have a family with her. Yes. And her, she's still thinking that knocking him out and putting him in a raft and setting him adrift is the right thing to do. Okay. And then, yeah. and then for the next little while, they have conversation. They have another conversation. Uh, she changes the baby. Uh, you know, they're, they're you know, a little nuclear family, shall I call it? Sure. Uh, so there's like a, a faux nuclear family going through uh, the zombie apocalypse, and then they end up in a tunnel. Well, they're in a uh, car wash for a while, yeah. Yeah, they're in a car wash for a while, and then uh, then the, the fight with uh, what's-his-eyebrows ensues. Yep. Uh so this is where they find out that she, yeah, that's where they find out that she, uh, had, you know, was putting together the raft for him. Yes. Like that makes any sense. Right. So, and then later when they're stuck in the tunnel, she says, she finally fesses up that she thinks she's pregnant and he's like, oh, we got to take a test. This is great. And she's like, well, I already took a test. I was like, well, let's take a look at it. Uh, you know, he's all excited and she's like, no, you got to get away from me because I think you're going to be a horrible person if you're, uh, if I'm pregnant and you stick around. Uh, so this whole thing doesn't make any sense to me. Like if she thinks she's pregnant, her first thought is to get rid of this guy. Yeah. 
Like, just fucking get rid of him because he's going to be an awful father. I don't want to be the, I don't want you to be the person that you will become if I tell you I'm pregnant. Yep. And he's like, let's be a family. I think that's great. Let's be a family uh, in the middle of a firefight. I mean, he does, he does react poorly to that news at first, right? Like he, when he doesn't really understand what she's doing before she reveals all this to him, he doesn't take it very well. But the moment where they dis- they determine that she actually is pregnant, you know, they they totally come together as a family. But I think I, as I said off the top, I think none of this makes a ton of sense, and it's all just there to manufacture this dramatic dramatics between the two of them to pad out this episode of of this reveal um, that uh, that she's pregnant, but. Yeah, and it, it's all kind of silly, and I don't really, really get how it contributed to the greater story, really, you know? It was just sort of an episode where they moved the baby around, and they moved a bunch of zombies around, and Dwight and Sherry had a, you know, a domestic dispute, and then came together at the end, and now are good. And that's uh-huh. it, right? That's it. Yes. I think. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't... It. it None of it really made a ton of sense to me. Why it was it's here. It's a crappy episode for jerks and I never want to see it again. Well, I have a feeling you don't have to. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, is that it? Is that it for number uh, 13? That, that, that was it. All right. Yeah. It's, it's silliness. Episode 14, Jason, Divine Providence. Uh, now, this one is primarily about, I would say, Alicia and Strand, Essentially, what happens is the whole gang comes to the tower. Uh, she gets on the phone with Strand. He wants to talk and invites her in. And yeah, she goes in. The rest of the episode is Strand and Alicia interacting as they work out their differences at some points, um, you know, remain enemies at other points and kind of make their way through the tower. The other convenient thing uh-huh. is that Daniel, you know, pushed his way in as well. So he's in the tower as well, because as we know, he thinks Ophelia is there. So it's important to get him in there as well. He's uh, a ninja. We've That's right. Yeah, I'm pretty, I feel, I feel pretty confident in saying that he's, he's a ninja now. I guess so. I mean, if, <laughs> if Alicia and him were just walking up to the tower together and no one noticed until he was right there, he was clearly invisible or something. I don't know. Yeah, then he runs around and helps them all out by, you know, tackling and, and defeating, you know, enemies from the shadows. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's 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 a ninja. A lot of the times off camera, too, you know, like he runs away up the stairs and you hear some shooting and then a body falls down. It's like, oh, good. It's a good thing he's there to, like, run around and do this stuff that we don't see, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's all kind of dumb. Anyways. I, I told you my theory about, uh, about ninjas, right? Like how... Uh, uh, the Japanese ninjas are the worst ninjas in the world because we know because the ones we because we know about them. Right, right. You yeah. know, other ninja, other countries, they all have ninjas, but you don't hear about them, do you? You know about the Japanese ninjas because they're really horrible. Uh, that's right. That's right. They're the worst <laughs> ones. <laughs> yeah. Now listen. So this episode, at plenty of times, also doesn't make a ton of sense. However, I didn't mind some of the things in this episode. Uh, There was some stuff between Alicia and Strand that I thought was okay, at least from 
an acting and like a performance standpoint, especially early on in the episode, uh, for some reason. I think when Alicia first comes into the tower, like on the ground floor, they're in the lobby there or whatever, there's a conversation between the two of them that I thought was pretty okay. Uh, I, I liked the two actors. I do like those two actors, and I think they did a good yeah. job here. The whole premise is kind of dumb, but um, I thought at least this part was entertaining, and the two of them were were fun to watch. Uh, you know, they make the agreement in the elevator shortly after this, and Alicia keeps getting sick and fainting and stuff like that at the most convenient times for the plot. You know, one minute she's nearly incapacitated and the next minute she's full of energy running away and fighting back and stuff like that. So that seemed really contrived, but I didn't hate everything between the two of these characters. And so when I said earlier, you know, there's something nice to say about this episode at least, which I didn't think was very good, but, you know, I think if, if there was one thing I could find that I enjoyed, it was their two, their interactions at some points. Yes. I, th you know? I think the uh, the theme of this episode was shifting alliances. Because it changes right? a lot. It changes a lot. You never know who's going to be with who, and everybody's partnering up with other people and being betrayed by those people. And Yeah. It was very soap opera-y. Yeah. Which makes me think that Alicia's pregnant. Oh, you know? really? <laughs> like, yeah, she's feeling sick and not feeling well. Uh, you know, she has... Uh, fever dreams maybe she's not uh she doesn't have the uh she doesn't have the blight Whoa. from the zombies maybe she's just pregnant with a zombie baby yeah who knows man but she is supposed to still have this zombie infection in her that's not killing her like it has killed every other single person on this in this universe but for some reason mm -hmm. she is special um i was going to say though that there was actually some stuff with daniel in this episode that i didn't mind which we'll get to what I hated was all the stuff with Wes, because again, Wes is just this guy who has joined Strand and, uh, you know, at the end of the last episode, Jason, when they, when Alicia and Morgan sent all the zombies into the bunker, uh, mm -hmm. before Dwight and Sherry escaped, Wes was in that bunker looking for them with his rangers and all his rangers got killed in there, but I guess Wes just got out somehow because he's back in the tower in this episode. Hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe he can uh, maybe he can turn into maybe he has a mist form and is able to squeeze through keyholes. Well, listen, the last we saw him in that previous episode was like running away from some zombies and sort of standing under a water pipe, getting soaking wet with water. I was like, that's weird, first of all. But that's the last scene we saw him. So maybe he dissolved into mist and he escaped through a keyhole, like you said. I don't know. They kind of implied that he was stuck in there and he was dead. But nope, I guess he escaped because he's back for this one. Well, that's how my, uh, I, I told you that that's how my mom told me about, uh, you know, how Santa Claus got into our house, right? Because we lived in a, uh, a house that didn't have a fireplace. And so I was all worried that one year because, you know, how the hell is Santa Claus going to get here? We don't have a fireplace. He always comes down the chimney. What's going on? And my mom, you know, didn't miss a beat. She said, Santa's magical. He can squeeze through a keyhole. Right. Well, get that, in. that's exactly how it works. I mean, that's fine. That's Santa. This is Wes. Yeah. And I don't think well, he has I'm just those. saying maybe he has some kind of magical power. I'm not saying he's, you know, as powerful as the claws, mm -hmm. but maybe he's, uh, he's got just a little bit of the, a uh, little bit of the Santa in him and can turn into uh, turn a mist form 
uh, and squeeze through keyholes and stuff. Okay. I mean, well, it's not like he has power over reindeer, right? Like Santa Claus, because he has, uh, you know, mind control over, uh, you know, herds of reindeer. He only picks the best eight plus or minus a red nose, but, uh, you know, he has the power over all the reindeer. That's why you never see anybody going up to get Santa Claus in the North Pole, because those reindeer, when they get together, you're about to get messed up. <laughs> okay. Because uh, Santa's got some, uh, oh, don't even get me started on the elves. Well, listen, Santa's one thing. Wes is not Santa. And I thought he was dead in that bunker, but he's not. He's back at the tower. Everything's fine for him. Uh, so I, I disliked all that stuff. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, Alicia and Strand make this agreement in the elevator, uh, sort of the first time Strand kind of comes over to her side. But of course, Wes doesn't agree with this. He is out for blood. He basically mutinies, right? And so he's the one coming after them for the bulk of this episode. Uh, Wes recently flipped to Strand's side. Uh, he's talking to Strand at one point in this episode and says, we are who we are. And I'm like, yeah, maybe everybody except you guys who keep flip-flopping around. Are you who you are? I don't know who you guys are because your allegiances change every five seconds. Yeah. So he was able to, you know, get into the tower, ingratiate himself to Strand, and then secretly recruit a whole bunch of people to mutiny against Strand. That's right. Or at least a few of those guys because he does have some rangers with him throughout the episode. See, this is what happens when you start throwing your loyal guys off a roof, mm -hmm. uh, is that other people are going to go, I don't really think that uh, I want to be loyal to that guy. It's like, oh, there's a new guy here. I'm loyal to that guy now. Because right. that guy, uh, you know, if he had a plot to throw overthrow the guy that throws people off a roof, I'm on board with that. And we never saw him throw anybody off a roof, so no. he must be better. Yeah. 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 Well, it's just all over the place. Um, but honestly, Strand, Strand flip-flops a lot as well, right? He comes to Alicia's side, although it, it, it with Strand, it almost kind of works because from what we know about this character is he, he is always working in his own best interest, right? And so if in the yep. moment he thinks that working with Alicia is in his best interest, that's what he's going to do. And he's trying to save his relationship with her, who he calls the closest thing he ever had to a daughter. Right. But he's also trying to save the tower. And this is why it feels like he's on both sides constantly. He's kind of trying to have his cake and eat it too, you know? So she's the closest thing he ever had to a daughter. This building is the closest thing he ever had to a home. And these, uh, these people are the closest thing he ever had to a family. That's exactly right. And he wants to save it all. So at any given moment, he's working in, support of one of those three things. And so it feels like his allegiances are all over the place. When I guess you could argue that he's just, again, like I said, acting in his own self-interest because he's a self-centered guy and that's all he knows how to do. Yeah. And so he, consistency is the refuge of the weak-minded. Sure. So fuck it. But I also think saying all this out loud, like in the episode, it kind of feels like he's all over the place. But at the end of the day, he's kind of consistent with his character and the type of man he is. So it sort of works actually when you look if at it like that. If you can find that kernel, yeah, if you can find the kernel of consistency, then 
you know, it's his kernel of character. It's, uh, yeah. you know, absolutely self-interest. Everything else be damned. Right. And if this episode is about um, an examination of the kind of man Strand is, well, I think it depicted the kind of man he is, and it sort of works within the character. So we didn't learn anything new about him, but maybe it was kind of a complex way of just showing it to us where, you know, even from moment to moment, he's kind of doing what's going to be best for him. And it feels like at one moment he's working with Alicia and then another next moment he's working against her to save the tower. So, I mean, it kind of works when you put it like that anyways. Yeah. So I guess, uh, but Alicia's whole goal here is to get to the end and use this big antenna that she knows they have on the top of this tower to transmit a message out to the people. Um, and she ultimately does that. Uh, now things don't go so great at that moment either because while well, the light is destroyed, which is what she wanted to do, but also the tower is lit on fire. So, um, at the very end of this episode, everybody outside, which was the rest of the gang, except for Morgan, who's off on the boat somewhere, they just run into the tower because they think it's going to be safest in there. However, the tower is lit on fire, but that's probably for next episode to deal with. What did happen here is Alicia got her message out. And I think the message that she delivered was very important, Jason, because she says, my name is Alicia Clark. She uses her full name, which I think is important. Yep. And she gives precise coordinates to the location of the tower. So obviously what's going to happen? Uh, that, uh, the, what's her, her mom's going to show up. So Madison, her mother is going to hear that transmission and that's what draws her in back to the show. She hears her daughter's name, full name, which is important yep. and the exact coordinates. So, I mean, it would be insane if this isn't what brings Madison back, right? It would be insane. And, uh, Alicia burns up in a fire. Because the whole tower's on fire and she's on top and uh, therefore she cannot possibly have survived this fire, much like her mom could not have possibly survived that fire. Right. Which obviously she did and Alicia will obviously survive as well. So maybe she doesn't need that magic weapon anymore because she's fireproof, just like her mom passed down from generation to generation. Uh, yeah, she's she's fireproof. Uh, yeah, but like... I don't know, man. I, or are we going to get into a situation here where, um, Alicia doesn't survive the returning of her mother, which mm. I could see this show doing. And, you know, I don't know. Richard on the internet wrote us an email and he said, I have a feeling based on your previous podcasts for this season, you guys are going to hate this episode, but I really enjoyed it. You're kind of right, Richard. I, I wouldn't say I completely hated it, but definitely not great. But he goes on, I just wanted to comment that even though I don't want Alicia to die, I think she will because she's getting her own show on Hulu. <laughs> uh, so the whole you're the closest thing I have to a daughter thing really worked on me. I do have a feeling, though, that by the time we get Madison back, it'll be similar to when Daniel was about to meet Ophelia right before she was about to die. Same if Alicia is going to die, Madison will see her in the last minutes of her life. So I have a feeling Richard might be onto something here where 
Alicia, whether she dies in this fire or not in the tower, because I don't think she's going to, I think she's going to escape this somehow. And I have a feeling Strand will, you know, carry her to safety or whatever. But I do have a feeling that Alicia, we're going to trade Alicia for Madison, basically. Alicia's going to be off the show. She's going to be dead. There might be a tiny overlap where two characters get a chance to say their goodbyes, but then Alicia's gone and Madison is back, primarily featured in season eight, because we know she comes back in season seven, but we haven't seen her yet. And I think think they've just set all this up. Alicia sent the message. My name is Alicia Clark. Come to these coordinates. Her mother's going to show up. Alicia's going to die. Madison takes over the show again. Okay. I don't see why. What kind of show is she going to on Hulu? I don't know. I don't know anything about it, to be honest. Okay. I'll have to look well, it can't be up. great if it's on Hulu, but maybe I'm just biased against what What the he- is anything happening with Hulu? Do we even get Hulu in Canada? Unfortunately not, but sometimes okay, we that's get- that's why I don't care about Hulu. Right, but you can't say that Hulu doesn't do any good shows because Hulu did Handmaid's Tale in the US, and that's one of the best shows ever right now. Uh, and it's broadcasting Canada through a- you know, a broadcast deal with a different broadcaster. So sometimes we get their shows, but the service isn't available itself up here. I see. I see. I see. Yeah. So maybe we'll get the show even though, you know, okay. So maybe it's just, it's just a personal Canadian bias against Hulu because the pricks are not available in Canada. Correct. Yes. For you. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, anyways, that was just me kind of blabbering on for a while about all of that. Do you, do you have any thoughts on, on how this kind of played out or, or where we've left with the, the tower on fire and the message going out? Man, we've had some characters that have been around for a long time. We have Morgan that's been here since uh, the second episode, or maybe the, was it the first episode? He was in the first episode of The Walking Dead, right? He was, yeah, yeah. Okay, and we've had uh, Madison and uh, Strand, not Madison and Strand, but Alicia and Strand that have been around since the beginning. Right. So we've had some characters that have been around for a long time mm-hmm. and you know, they're put in peril and we've got characters coming back that we thought were dead that I was pretty sure wasn't dead, mm-hmm. but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and so we've got a lot of dramatic stuff going on with a lot of longtime characters and I just don't care. I, and how did they do this? Like the <laughs> amount of effort that has gone into this show uh, to result in me just not giving a shit. I know. Uh, is staggering. It's because it's been mishandled so dramatically, so poorly handled that it's, it's just killed any interest in this, you know, characters we should feel really connected to and feel like we know in a way, you know, like Alicia and Strand and especially Morgan. Morgan floated off in that boat and I'm like, oh my God, I hope he floats back to the other show and we see him in the last eight episodes of The Walking Dead or something crazy like that, you know? I don't care if I ever see him again on Fear because everything that's happening right now is just so stupid. Alicia, it's too bad. She's, she's, I was going to say, she's like the Carol of this show in a way. She's developed a lot. Her character has changed a ton over six seasons. Like, remember she was a 17 year old, like teenager in high school when the zombie apocalypse started. And now she should be, and has been at times this like amazing, strong, badass killing machine leader character, you know? Uh, but they put her in all these stupid situations like we have this week and other weeks. 
Strand too. I mean, at least he's been kind of consistent and I've kind of talked myself into enjoying Strand in this episode, which I didn't think, <laughs> I didn't think when we started, to be honest, but, um, yeah. still though, like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it is quite well, the feat that they've, that they've made it this bad. <laughs> the last time I cared about this show was when John Dory died. Not the Keith Carradine John Dory, but the Garrett Dillahunt John Dory. Right. Uh, after that, in I love Keith Carradine. I, I love everything he's been in and he died in this show, a heroic death. And I did not give a shit. Yep. Uh, Kim Dickens. I absolutely adore. I liked everything she's ever been in that I've seen. I mean, I'm sure she's been in stuff that I haven't seen. I'm glad to have her back. I liked her when she was on this show. I want, I'm glad to have her back sort of because I think they're going to do something. I, I'm worried about not caring anymore. Well, listen, I was going to save this for next time we podcast because by then we will have seen the finale, like the end of season seven. But do you think, Jason, uh, this is a two-part question. Do you think, number one, to me, it kind of feels like they are resetting this show. They've killed a bunch of people off. I think more are going to die in the next two episodes. I think we're going to have very few of our current characters left uh, on it after the end of season seven. And they're bringing Madison back as the lead probably in the show. So do, do you feel that way is the first part of the question. Are they resetting this thing? And secondly, with Madison back, do you think there's any way they can, they can, write this ship, turn it around, get your interest back and do something cool. Uh, okay. To answer the first part of the question, the answer is I'm afraid I don't care. Okay. Uh, you know, are they resetting the show? Sure. Why not? Can they write the ship in order to have something uh, good that I care about? Absolutely. They possibly could. I have no faith. Right. Uh, but I have hopes. But is right. bringing Kim Dickens back the way to do that? Like, do you think that's the one Absolutely thing that not. could do it? No. No, because she died and they spent a lot of time convincing me that she died because I wasn't convinced at first, but then, you know, years and years and years went by and nothing happened and now they're bringing her back and it just feels annoying. I'm glad to be vin, uh, vindictified. What's the word I'm looking for? Vindicated. Vindicated. I'm glad to be vindicated <laughs> that she did not die in that fire. Uh, but you know, does it have to be this way? Do you have to bring her back after such a long time period, uh, to a show that I just don't care about? Yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping that they can, I'm in the same boat as you, first of all, uh, at the end of this season seven, it's going to be so hard to want to continue watching it and talking about it, except for the fact that. Kim Dickens as Madison is coming back. I'm, there's a certain level of curiosity in me that is, that is generated through that, that I cannot deny. I want to see what happens with her. I want to see what they do with her. Uh, but if it's just more garbage, like that's going to really suck for everybody. Well, if they're going to bring back Kim Dickens, can you bring back Garrett Dillahunt for me? Yeah. And, and fucking and Simon too, while you're at it. Simon from the other show. From the other show. Yeah, bring him in. I don't care. You have, uh, what was his name? Damn it. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the Walking Dead Simon. Well, um, 
Anyways, yeah. Him, Nick, what about, would you take Nick back? I mean, Nick was shot in the head. He's not coming back, but... Uh, no, I don't care about Nick, but... Uh, okay, fine. Uh, Stephen Ogg. Oh, Stephen Ogg, you know, of course. If he, he, I would care about the show if he came, if he came onto the show, right? If he, wow. if he was on the show, I'd be, I'd be all on board. I would forgive all. I would forgive all if he brought Stephen Ogg onto the show. Well, are you, do you hear I'm that, producers? <laughs> Get Stephen Ogg back. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. Here we are. I have a couple of other little things I wanted to mention on this episode that I thought mostly were dumb. Um, at one point, Daniel's being held in the basement of the tower, and he strangles a guy with his handcuffs. One of the guys, like no. the, the guard. That I is- mean, it's sure... Yeah, sort of. It, he didn't really strangle the guy. He sort of gave him a a nice hug, yeah. and he died. Okay, well, he was allergic to hugs. What I was gonna say is, he puts his hands around his neck and he like takes him down, and his hands are handcuffed. So the the implication is that he uses the handcuff chain to like strangle around his neck, right? Uh huh. Uh-huh. Which it doesn't really happen because when the guy dies, it cuts to the wall and you hear like bones cracking and then blood splatters on the wall. And I'm like, when you strangle someone, I don't think that happens. So I don't know what he did. Oh, if you're a ninja, that's exactly what happens. Sure. I the guess head so. comes off when you give somebody a hug and they're super allergic to it. All right. All right. I thought it was kind of, kind of silly. And, uh, you know, one of the things that this show does for no reason, um, later on, Remember, Alicia and Strand are running away from Wes's guys, and they're shooting them at them from one direction, but then bullets are hitting the wall from the opposite direction. I thought that was oh, stupid. Yeah. I didn't catch that. <laughs> no. See what see what happens when I don't care? I mean, even the stuff that uh, would normally get my friggin' back hairs up and I would nitpick the shit out of, yep. I don't even notice. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sad for me. I'm like, I'm not sad. <laughs> Personally, I'm sad because of what this is doing to me. It's ruining you. It's breaking your it's brain. It's ruining me. I don't even feel motivated to nitpick properly. Oh, man. Well, What is this coming to? Okay, I'm going to pay more attention to the next episode. Like, I, I didn't do anything. Like, I swear to God, I watched these episodes without any distractions. I looked at the screen, watched the show. I... Must have been thinking about something else because <laughs> I tried. Yeah. I honestly tried. Yeah, other stuff on your mind. Well, I don't know, man. Like, we'll see how you do for the last two. Uh, the next point I had is, <laughs> so Wes is killed. Wes is, is killed in this episode. Wes is actually dead now. He's killed by Strand, stabs him with his sword, which is kind of fun. But when Strand does this, you know, Alicia is on the ground having almost been killed multiple times by him and her first question is why would you do that and i'm like what do you mean why he's there trying to kill you strand finally did what we've all wanted to happen for a while now and you're like why would you do that come on writers i don't know like so dumb uh also daniel he gets shot in the chest in Uh this episode but he's just fine He's like, hey, no, he's going to walk it off. It's fine. I'm good. He, he literally does walk it off because later on he walks out of the tower with Grace and Wendell and everybody. And he's just holding his hand over the wound. But it's like almost right in the center of his chest. I'm sorry. He'd be dead. Uh, doesn't, uh, what's your name say you want me to patch that up for you? And he says, no, I'm good. Yeah. Something like that. He's like, first, yeah. no, he says, go help Charlie first. Right. Yeah. So you, you have to understand. Okay. So the Daniel stuff, you have to, uh, you have to remember 
that this world is not like ours. Ninja. He's a ninja. He's a ninja. That's fine. People have subtle magical powers, right? Because we know that this uh, this is a uh, a low fantasy world, right? As opposed to high fantasy. Yep. Uh, where you have like elves and swords and stuff. But everybody has, you know, some people some people have low magical powers. There are magic items. We know that. Uh, Daniel's a ninja. That's fine. But you also have to remember that people are softer in this, uh, like not you know emotionally softer, uh, but like physically soft. Yeah. Right. They are more vulnerable to damage. When you strangle somebody or give them a nice hug from behind and they're allergic to hugs, their heads pop off and blood (laughs) flies everywhere. But when you get shot, you can walk it off because in order to compensate for being so vulnerable to injury, people are more resilient and they have magical healing powers. Yeah, heal quick. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. And I would say, you know, maybe they're sort of like orcs or... um, some kind of magical creature, which is only vulnerable to fire, except that we know that some people are invulnerable to fire. So, uh, we haven't really seen a lot of people's susceptibilities other than being stabbed in the noodle. Uh, other than, cause you can stab somebody in the noodle just by poking them with like chopsticks or something. Like you mm-hmm. want to stab somebody in the head, you poke them with a chopstick and the freaking brain explodes. Yep. So this explains everything. I'm afraid Chris is that people are soft, like physically weaker and are more susceptible to damage, but they heal quicker in order to compensate for it. So that explains everything. Okay, fine. I'll go with it. That explains everything. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One last point I have about this is that, of course, the rest of the gang is outside worrying about the light not going out yet and drawing all the walkers back in. And Sarah, who is reunited with Wes in this episode, which was kind of nice to see, but she has a line here and she says, with that thing shining, skin bags will be on us like flies on a turd. And I don't know if you were paying attention at this moment, Jason, but there was a, there was a, what I thought was an hel- a hilarious pause in the show at this point where Dwight and Luciana just kind of turn at her silently. They don't say anything and they just look at her. And then Dwight looks back <laughs> forward at the camera as if to say, really? <laughs> like, really? that's the line we're going with here, you know? <laughs> so I do think that was intentional and I do think it was funny. And I'm like, okay, show, great. You're taking the piss out of yourself a little bit, which is okay. But <laughs> I yeah. don't know. It stood out to me. Or, I thought it was funny. Or maybe it was uh, ad-libbed and uh, the actors kind of got a, an honest reaction and they left it in anyway. Okay. I could go with that too. And I'm, I'm okay with that, but... I noticed it. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, some of the best, uh, some of the best lines in movies and television are ad-libbed. It's true. Like he, he slimed me ad-libbed. I love you. I know. Also. Ad-libbed. I love you. I know ad-libbed. Uh, yeah. I'm walking here, uh, from midnight cowboy. That was a real cab that almost, uh, ran them over and, uh. Wasn't, wait a minute, wasn't that Taxi Driver? I'm walking here? No, it wasn't Taxi Driver. That was Midnight Cowboy. Okay. It was John Voight playing a male prostitute. Yeah, yeah. I'm aware of the movie, but. That's not Taxi Driver. I thought it was Travis uh, Bickle. That's that's Jodie uh, Jodie Foster playing an underage prostitute. In Taxi uh, Driver, I know. But that wasn't Travis Bickle slamming. He might have said, uh, he kept kept saying, are you talking to me? Well, that's true. That was the catchphrase. That, so no, I'm walking here is uh, um, okay. Rain Man, what's his name? 
Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. Uh, it was ad libbed because it was a real cabbie going through the intersection because they were filming clandestinely, right? Like, they didn't right. have permission to shoot or anything. Right, right. It's right. like you walk from there to here and we'll film you while you're having a conversation. And a cab was in a hurry and started to run them over and stopped just at the last second. He slammed his hand on the hood and said, I'm walking here. Okay. Yeah. That's Some great. of the best lines are ad libbed. It's very true. It's very great. Okay. Well, Jason, I have one more thing to mention about this episode and it is the sort of resolution of the Daniel looking for Ophelia storyline. Right. Because he gets in, as we mentioned, and he is manipulated into the help, into helping them by Strand, the same way that Luciana started this whole thing. Strand says, no, Ophelia is up on the top floor, you know, help us get there and you'll be reunited. On their way up there though, they take a break to put Alicia in a hospital bed and let her recover. And Wendell, or not Wendell, Strand tries to tell Daniel that there's Ophelia right there. And he points over to Charlie, who is dying in that hospital bed in the infirmary as well. Ophelia, or I mean, Daniel knows this isn't her, but he goes to her anyway and kind of becomes a comforting father figure to here. So they swap Charlie for Ophelia, you know, because Ophelia is dead and everyone knows that except for Daniel, but they swap right. in Charlie. How did you feel about all of this? And do you feel like it sort of resolves Daniel's thing, story going, you know, going on here? Uh, I think, well, yeah, they can't, they can't push the Ophelia thing anymore. Right. No. So they had to resolve it. So they had to, uh, they had to put that in there. So yeah, I think it resolves the Ophelia problem. I'm not sure what happens to Daniel afterwards. He's, he'll probably just snap out of it. Do you think it's, yeah, you're right. It probably just won't come up again, to be honest, the way this goes. But do you think it was a satisfying resolution for that character? I mean, he's... Not, nothing about the show is satisfying. Okay. Yeah. So I, no, I guess to answer <laughs> your explicit question. <laughs> Definitely not. And I don't, didn't care. Oh, okay. Well, see, for me... I was, I've been struggling a little bit with, you know, how they're handling Daniel's mental state and, and the, the issues he's, he's having. And, you know, I said last time, or maybe it was the podcast before about, you know, I don't really know if they're depicting this well or not, because I, I don't have very much personal experience with it. Um, but for me, I actually thought this was okay. And, you know, I think it could have been a lot better in a better show, first of all. You know, we have this, what I thought was kind of a nice moment in this bad show, but I didn't hate it. And I think it's because there is a little bit of history between these two characters, you know? Charlie and Daniel have had time to interact on the show. They have had a relationship. And Daniel's looking for his daughter, and he finds this other girl who he has had a kind of father-daughter relationship with a little bit. And some of his problems are resolved by redirecting them onto Charlie. And that kind of worked okay for me. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know how anyone else is going to feel about it or whatever, but I think if this storyline was in a better show, it might actually be really good. Uh, and for me, it was a, bit of a diamond in the rough here because I didn't hate it. Um, 
And, you know, on one hand, I'm kind of glad that it's kind of wrapped up, but at the same time, I didn't mind it. And it just goes to show that when characters do have a history, it's so much easier to sort of do things like this than when they don't. Like with Wes, for example, he flip-flops to the other side and he's just all over the place and it doesn't feel real because of what we know about him. Here, this felt a little bit real to me and I was kind of okay with it. So I'm glad that it's resolved and they kind of did it okay. I just wish it was surrounded by better stuff. Yeah. That's how I took it. Okay, well, that, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's and and that's all. So, but like you said, this is probably not. It's probably not the end, or shouldn't be the end of Daniel's issues. But, good God, I wouldn't be survived if he's not even on the show in season eight, whether he's dead or just <laughs> moved somewhere else. You know, I don't know. So that's uh, it. like like what's his name from uh, uh, the Harry Potter spinoff movies that was in The Walking Dead for a while, uh, Luke. Yeah. Luke. He's just gone. He's just gone. He's just disappeared. Yeah. And so. Heath? Where the fuck where the fuck is Heath? Oh he I still want Heath to come back. He's not coming back. Six more episodes, he's not coming back. Ah, boy <laughs> can have hopes. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Uh before we wrap up here, I do have one more email from Caden in Alberta. And we may have talked about this already, but Caden writes, is it just me or do Strand's motives for doing everything feel all over the place? He claims that everything he's done was for Alicia, but I have a hard time figuring out how having a painting of him made and throwing all those innocent people off the roof fits into that. Plus, in the episode with Dwight and Sherry, he had that family with the kid killed. Don't really know how that's supposed to help Alicia. I don't know if they would kill him off, but I can't exactly buy the idea that everyone would just forgive him. Maybe Alicia, but not Morgan, Dwight, June, or pretty much every other character. I get that they probably want to keep him on the show, but then it feels like this whole Strand villain story was basically for nothing. And I can see that, right? If everyone's just going to be like, oh, it's Strand, dun, 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 you know, what was it? What was the point of all this? (laughs) Yeah, well, you also have to understand that uh, Strand is trying to get Alicia on his side, so he will say anything that will serve that goal, right? right? So I've done it all for you. She doesn't know everything he's done. We do, but she doesn't. And uh, so by saying that, he, he feels that he could ingratiate himself. He's full of shit. He is totally full of shit. And frankly, that's within character for him. So at least Strand is consistent but having him be the villain is if it's not going to like really pay off in any way, I get what Caden's saying. What was the point of it all? You know? Yeah. Well, I think Strand is a, uh, as a magical character and, uh, I'm, uh, I think I'm talking, uh, you're talking me into liking him a little bit more because you talked yourself into liking him a little bit more. I did. And the secret formula is if you have a character that is self-centered and will do anything to uh, achieve personal goals, regardless of consequences or who it hurts, uh, if you can have that kernel to a character, it doesn't matter what he does because it's in character. <laughs> Everything he does is in furtherance of uh, his own personal goals. Yeah. So it's everything's within character and therefore he's consistent and there he's, he's the magical character. All right. Well, Strand the Magician. He kind of has a magician name, actually, when you... Think about it. Strand. I don't know. Yeah, All right. The, the amazing Strand. Yeah, that works. If I came across him on the street doing close-up card magic, 
I'd watch. <laughs> oh, Close Up Magic is amazing. It is amazing. I love magic. Like, I mean, Penn and Teller are fantastic because, you know, they're Penn and Teller, right? But they do illusions that, well, they do close up and, okay, they break the mold. Let's take Penn and Teller and put them aside for a second. Close up magic when somebody's standing right next to you and he, and they do some shit with coins and you can't tell what the fuck is going on. And then they pull out a three pound goddamn nut <laughs> onto the table. Yeah. And you're like, where did that come from? Like, seriously, you didn't yeah. have that up your sleeve. How did you get that from wherever it was onto the table? I know. It's pretty amazing. It's amazing. Just amazing. I love, I, I sit on YouTube and just watch magicians like for hours sometimes. It, really? Yeah. I mean, it's- That's a particular YouTube spiral I have, I have never gone down. Oh, I God. should try that. I, right now I'm stuck in uh, watching real life goddamn trials. Yeah. I, I don't do that. But magicians, totally. All right. There we go, everyone. Two more episodes of Fear the Walking Dead done. We have two more to go. And then this show can go away for a little while. And uh, by then... Come I, back bigger and better and stronger and Madisoner. Madisoner. That's right. And we'll be there, at least, I hope, for the beginning, because I'm curious about what Madison's going to do. Whether we like it or not. I don't know, but we do have Tales of the Walking Dead, Jason, and that is, all bets are off, man. That could be amazing. It could be terrible. I really hope it's amazing, and I look forward to capturing or uh, watching and talking about it, so. Here's the thing, Chris. Yeah? It could be both. Yeah, amazing and terrible? Yeah, it has the potential to be amazing and terrible. I suppose, from episode to episode, that's true. Yeah. It's wrapped though. News came out just today or yesterday that they have finished. It's done. So it's ready to air. So they just need to tell us when. Cool. Yeah. But that it's gonna I be, will watch. going to be this summer. And I would think by the end of fear, we're going to know when that's starting. So this summer, oh, can't, can't we get a break? They just be... keep putting out shows. Yeah, they do. Listen, I don't think it's going to air. Um, Like, I don't think it's going to start the day fear finishes because we would know that by now. So I think there might be a little break. They're going to do it more mid late summer. So it'll roll right into the final eight episodes of the main show. That's my thinking. I don't know, but there might be a little break. So okay. there you go. I mean, the worst in Lego, right? Lego just keeps putting out stuff that, uh, that makes you want to buy it. And it's just like, okay, just, you know, pump the brakes for a little bit. Can you put out six months worth of crap just for me, just so I don't have to buy everything that you friggin' make. So <laughs> it's, it's the same thing with the walking dead. Just pump the brakes. Yeah. Let's not put out a show every six months or every three months or whatever. Yeah. It's like, let's just, you know, let's take a hiatus yeah. for and not fill the fucking hiatus with some other show. Don't saturate things so hard like leave us wanting more there's nothing wrong with that you know like we nobody wants to watch anymore of fear the walking dead but they keep pumping it out there you know do a do an eight song 30 minute set instead of a 20 song two hour set and people will come back for the next one because that short one was oh, so man. good you know yeah i mean there's something to be said about that for sure. But then I remember going to see the original P-Funk at the government way back in the 90s. Uh-huh. And those fuckers were on stage for three and a half hours. <laughs> and it was- like they did not leave the stage. When some musicians left the stage, 
the some other ones stayed on like just fucking 20 of them but they played nonstop for three and a half hours and every second was magic okay well it was amazing you got to be a special kind of group to pull that off i think and fear you the really do. dead is not doing it right now is not the original p-funk no all right well Thanks, everyone. Before we finish up for the night, I do want to throw out a quick thank you to a couple of new patrons that have decided to support the show on patreon.com slash the talking dead. And in fact, neither of these people are new patrons, but they are existing patrons who have recently re-upped their subscriptions. So thank you to Sean Sean H and Debbie C. Uh, Thank you so much for sticking with us. And thank you to everyone else who has supported us on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the talking dead. Get in now and you'll be eligible for one of our prizes in the Patreon prize of Palooza that will return when the walking dead comes back this fall. Eight more episodes, eight more winners, eight more prizes, eight more ways to choose a prize coming out of Jason's world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> choose I've a winner, already got sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I've already started, uh, a couple of projects to choose winners. Okay. That's... Like we, I mean, I I can't really start because I don't know who the patrons are. Yeah. Really at this point. So I can't choose now. No. And I can't. can't even start the old process, but the, uh, the, uh, there's some things in the works. The wheels are turning. That's what you're the saying. The wheels are turning. Some All things right. are in the works and, uh, you know, I, some, you know, one of them disturbs me a little bit. All right. Well, and, I... and that's pretty hard to do. <laughs> It's pretty difficult. Yeah. All right. Well, I I look forward to that. Everyone should look forward to that. Coming back in the fall when The Walking Dead returns, become a patron at patreon.com slash the talking dead. Thank you so much to all of you. All righty. That is it for this podcast, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to get in touch with us, visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com, click on Send Voicemail at the top, and you can record a message that will get sent right to us. You can also find us on Twitter at TalkingDead, or send your emails to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. All right, everyone. Until next time, this has been great. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.